0: we started a a kind of a mini-series where we're examining the life of King Saul, some of the issues that he was facing as a man and issues that he was facing as God was leading him out of his comfort zone and how he responded. And last week we talked about overcoming fear as we looked at the, begin to examine the scriptural passage as it related to his his battle, which was his, to fight with Goliath, that he stepped back from. And today we're going to be talking about facing insecurity. Facing insecurity. I have battled levels of insecurity all my life. Particular times that I can remember is I was, was 16 years old and I stood a whopping 4 feet 11 inches tall and weighed slightly less than 90 pounds. And as with most boys my age at that time, I could not wait to get my driver's license so that I could begin to experience a a level of freedom that comes with being able to leave mom and dad behind and drive out of the driveway. And where I was growing up at that time in Springfield, Missouri, we, on my 16th birthday showed up in the morning. I took my written test and passed it and then you had to wait until there was a driving instructor that was available and they told me that as soon as one was available they would call me. So I'm sitting there on the seat next to my dad when this big guy came walking in and picked up the pad and called my name. And I stood up and started walking to him. And as I'm walking toward him, I could see the fear in his face. And he looked at me as I stood next to him. And he goes, you're Doug Demet? And I said, yes. He goes, you're 16? And I said, yes. And he cursed My insecurity at taking my driver's test ramped up about a 1,000% in that moment. So we walked outside to the car, which was my dad's 1972 Buick, and I opened the door to get in the driver's seat, and he opened the passenger side door, and when he did, he recognized that I sat on a pillow when I drove. <laughs> and he, he looked at that pillow, and he began to furl up his, his face and begin to squeeze his forehead, and he's going... He goes, kid, do you ever expect to grow? And I, I said, I'm doing the best I can do. He says, have you, uh, have you ever driven without the pillow? I said, no, it helps me look over the steering wheel. And uh, he began to wrinkle his forehead again. He says, because here's the deal. He said, if you take your driver's test sitting on that pillow, it becomes a condition on your license. And you'll have to forever sit on that pillow when you drive. So if you think you're going to grow, um, can you take it without? And I said, I've never done it, but let's give it a shot. Took the pillow, threw it in the back seat, and he just continued to rub his forehead. <laughs> and uh, we got in the car, and and I realized for the first time in my life, I'm looking between the top of the steering wheel, and or the top of the dash, and the bottom part of the steering wheel. And... uh God's grace was upon me. And I passed that test. So we got back. It would have been uh, a day and my dad was so happy for me that he said, listen, enjoy the car today. Take it easy. It's insured. And uh, so I took off and, and drove to the public pool so that I could have some freedom and enjoy some friends. And driving along. At the end of that day, I got back in the car. I wasn't wearing a shirt, you know, this massive 87-pound body. My hair soaking wet. Start driving home, and as I'm driving down one of the the main thoroughfares in Springfield, Missouri, and I've got my, my rearview mirror pointed down just about as far as it can go, a police officer came by on the other side of the road, and as he was driving by, it had to look to him like this was a car being driven by nobody. And so he whips around in the road, throws his lights on, which instantly sent me into convulsions, and uh, pulls up behind me, and and I was luckily right near an apartment building where I could pull in and get out of the road because I was so scared. And uh, this officer who, I don't know if you know many officers, they don't, this one doesn't smile. So he came walking up to the car, and I rolled down the window and I'm standing there with soaking wet hair, not wearing a shirt, shivering like a puppy. And, and he looked at me and he goes, show me your driver's license. And so I weakly shivering kind of handed out the window to him and he looked at that thing and he goes, you've got to be kidding me. You're 16? As of today. And he flung the license back in the car to me and He said, I thought you were some 12-year-old that stole your dad's car for the day and were just going out for a joyride. And he walked back to his car, shaking his head and squeezing his forehead as he went along. And as a result of of the issues of growing up and, and being very small, I have dealt with insecurity issues. I don't know if any of you have ever had things like that happen in your life. But I recognize that we have an epidemic of insecurity that just ravages people's lives in our society today. And many people have an identity crisis because they don't really know who they are. And they base their worth and value on all the wrong things. We base our security and value on on what we do or on what we look like or who we know or what we know or what we own. And insecurity is something that reaches deep into the heart of every person and we experience it from time to time. Have any of you, can you remember a time in your life when you just felt, man, I am so insecure in whatever situation you were in? There are many of you. The fact is that we will all experience it, but we don't have to be led by it. Unfortunately, King Saul in the Bible didn't get that message the result was that he allowed his insecurity to drive him further and further from his destiny rather than having the Lord lead him to his destiny. And when we study the life and leadership journey of Saul in the book of 1 Samuel, it's easy to see that insecurity was an issue for Saul from the very beginning. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, and, and, and there's a verse there that talks about the time when Samuel, who was the prophet of God at that time, he was also in the Old Testament called a seer. God would speak to him and show him things. And and Saul had been privately selected. Samuel knew that he was the man to be king. And so in a very private ceremony with just he and Saul, the Bible tells us that Samuel took a flask of oil and he poured it on Saul's head and he kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you leader of over his inheritance has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance meaning all of his people and all that God wanted to do so here Saul in this very private moment has been taken by the most powerful spiritual leader in the day he's been anointed saying God has chosen you and with that anointing comes the the dispensation of gifts and stuff within his life to be the leader And Samuel gave Saul some very specific instructions, told him prophetically what was going to happen throughout his day, and then said, I will meet you tonight for the public crowning of you as king over Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I tried to picture myself, if that was something that had happened to me, if I had lived in that time and Samuel had picked me out and anointed me and said, God has chosen you to be leader over all of his inheritance, what I might be like. And I I thought about it this week and I said, you know, I probably would ask Pastor Mark to help me set up a Twitter account and my new Twitter name would be at I Just throwing that out there. I probably would call my parents and maybe even a professor who told me that they didn't have much hope for me in the future. Uh, I might or might not put something in capital letters on my Facebook post with my new title and everything that had happened, and I certainly would want to go to my high school reunion wearing my crown compared to that old raggedy thing that the homecoming king got. I just feel like if that was something that God had appointed me to, I probably would let people know. But the Bible tells us that's not what Saul did. In fact, interesting enough, on his journey back for the public coronation, he ran into an uncle, and he didn't even tell him that he had been selected. wouldn't tell his family that he was picked to be king. And when the time rolled around for the public ceremony, we read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'm going to ask that you turn and begin with me at verse 17. 1 Samuel 10, verse 17. Samuel, the prophet of God, summoned all the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to them, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you, but you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all of your calamities and distresses, and you have said, no, Set a king over us. So now I present, so now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. And when Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe out of the tribe of Benjamin, a clan, camp clan by clan, and Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. And so they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, Yes. He's hidden himself among the baggage. So, Lord, as we approach your word this morning, over these next few moments, I ask that your Holy Spirit would deal with us concerning the insecurities of our life, that we might be overcomers through your power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So picture this. The whole tribe of Israel, all of the people of God are there, Benjamin's tribe is chosen, the clan is chosen, and out of all of it, Saul finally is selected in front of the whole land. And Saul is so insecure about being chosen the king that he was afraid to come out and he's hiding among the storage shelves in the supply tent can almost picture him hanging on in there trying to hide so he doesn't have to come out. And Saul's insecurity roadblocked his potential from the very beginning of his leadership journey. And sadly, he was never able to maneuver around that particular roadblock. And his insecurities hampered him uh, throughout his lifetime and eventually cost him his kingship. Now, there are four kinds of insecurities that Matt Keller in his book, The Key to Everything, outlines that I want to just briefly share with you today because it's things that we face, things that we face in our life today and that the Lord has to help us with because insecurity in our life could potentially be the roadblock that you allow to stop you from your destiny that God wants to accomplish within your life. The first insecurity roadblock that we face is, I feel inferior. I feel inferior. If you were to look at this story in 1 Samuel chapter nine, verse two, it describes Saul, this young man, as being a head taller than everybody else. Now, for those of us that were in the four eleven group at sixteen, we looked at the Sauls of our day in high school and thought, what do they have to be insecure about? He's taller than everybody. It began to dawn on me that anytime you don't feel normal, regardless of whether you're tall or short or whatever it may be within your life, if you don't fit within what you think is a normal category, there seems to be insecurities that rise up within our life. And for whatever reason, Saul, being the tallest, felt very inferior and very uh, worried about the way that he would be perceived. And rather than standing confidently in who he is, or even better than that, in who God told Samuel that he is, Saul gave in to the feeling that somebody else was more qualified to do the job that God had chosen him to do. And it leads me to understand that anytime time we compare ourselves with somebody else, we can miss out on what we are supposed to learn in the circumstances of our life right now. God always wants to teach us things as he leads us, and that's because insecurity can lead to pride, and pride or, or, or is a feeling of insecurity in many cases, and it can hold us back. I've discovered that people who are battling insecurity generally respond and react to people in one of two ways. Either they become very aggressive trying to hide their feelings of insecurity and I'm going to take control of the situation or they begin to withdraw and they lock themselves away and they, they find a place where they feel protected and they never begin to venture out. Either of these can hold us back from moving forward and I believe that Feelings of inferiority are especially deadly as it relates to what God wants to do within our lives. Insecurity roadblock number two is feeling like I'm an imposter. Feeling like I'm an imposter. You see, when you feel this way, it closes off your teachability. Because you feel like whatever situation you're in, you feel like I'm just faking it. And I'm afraid that people are going to begin to recognize me sooner or later for who I really am and that I'm not capable, and that I don't know what I'm doing and that I'm going to look like a fool. And from the very beginning of his role as king, Saul felt like he was faking it. We noticed that even last week when he was in a battle, God had already told him, I am with you and I will help you win. But he was so afraid of stepping into the battle, even though the Lord had assured victory that he withdrew. He goes, I'm I'm supposed to be the warrior-in-chief, and I'm just faking it. If I get into this battle, everybody's going to see me as I really am. And I don't know about you, but if I had to nail down the most common feeling I get, when my insecurities surface, it's the sense of being overexposed. It's the sense that, oh, no. As soon as people see me as I really am, they're going to begin to say, wow, you're not what we thought you were at all. You see, I've grown comfortable with the unhindered gaze of God on the vulnerable places in my soul because I've come to trust Him so much and know how deeply that He loves and accepts me that I can handle His gaze. The gaze that worries me more is the gaze of people. It's the gaze of what are others thinking. And you see, I'm not so crazy about having the eyes of people and the eyes of others look on me in the same way that the Lord looks at me. Part of that is pride. Some of it is that I'm afraid that as I stand before you, and maybe you felt the same way too, that you would be overexposed and people would certainly begin to realize that there are some broken and malformed areas deep inside of me that I would just as soon you not ever know. Because God is still working on me. Still dealing with me and making me. Does that make sense to you? And have you ever sensed that? You see, when we have a wound, whether it be hitting your thumb with a hammer or whatever you may do, the first thing we instantly do is we take our good hand and we grab the wound and we cover it and we hide it and we protect it. And the only time we remove our hand from that is when we get to somebody that we trust that says, can you move your hand and let me dress that wound? And finally, in a period of trust, you begin to remove your hand to expose where the hurt is. Then those we trust begin to dress it and clean it. And help us on our way back. I believe that we live in a society, and even as Christians, where we're walking around and we're we're covering the wounds because we don't want anybody to see. Because we feel so insecure and we feel as if we're an imposter. And the Lord is stating to us, would you just move your hands and let me begin to heal the wound. Let me dress that. So that you can move on and begin to heal. We don't like to be vulnerable. We don't like those moments of life. And yet when the Lord is walking with us, those vulnerabilities turn into something else. You see, we're afraid of being overexposed. And in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, there's a scripture that applies to us in this way. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and has arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. I want you to see this picture of our loving Savior in those moments when we feel overexposed. Lord, I feel as if I'm standing here with nothing on. And in those moments, he rushes to you and he clothes you in a robe of righteousness. He holds you in the clothing that he has made so that you will never feel overexposed. And all of those feelings of insecurity we have are washed away as He embraces us with that robe of righteousness. And He clothes us in that. And we can stand there and say, okay, I'm feeling insecure, but I'm fully clothed in the righteousness of God. I'm covered by Him. And so I can walk with Him. Insecurity roadblock number three is that I feel incapable. Feeling incapable is the insecurity that arises when we think that we don't have what it takes to accomplish what we believe is expected of us. I believe deep down inside, Saul felt like he was not capable of being a good king, even though God told him he could. I believe that that feeling that he allowed To overcome him, the feeling of being incapable roadblocked his leadership for his entire life. When we honestly don't believe that we have the skills or the talent to do what needs to be done, we tend to shut down in fear. We tend to withdraw. We tend to close the door. We tend not to risk. We tend to find that place where we think security lies, and we never grow beyond that point because we're afraid I'm not capable. Cindy and I were six months into ministry in Holdridge, Nebraska, 23 years old, just out of college, when the pastor who I had worked with who'd been at that church for six months suddenly resigned and told us, I have discovered I am not called into ministry. On a Sunday morning, this all took place, and by Sunday night, I was supposed to preach, and I literally sat there on my desk, scared, weeping, thinking I would rather quit than have to stand and be exposed as incapable. I remember Cindy sitting next to me and we're just kind of working through our feelings and, and we had people that were alongside of us that we can call and I remember calling one of the men that I had known for a long time and explaining the situation and I said, I'm, I'm pastoring a church right now for the next few months with people that have been saved longer than I've been alive what can I do? How can I teach them? I'm I'm just a kid. I'm so incapable of this. And in the wisdom of that man, he said, listen, this is the moment where you begin to determine, are you called of God? Because God is about to show you what he can do when you are weak, if you will let him. And I remember feeling that insecurity of being incapable come rushing back into my life that i had battled for so long and, and wondering how this was all going to work and he shared this verse with me in 2 corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 through 11 when he said this but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness my power is made perfect in weakness. Let me, let me just stop. I could preach for an hour on that alone. Some of you need to hear this today. You've been battling weakness and insecurity and feelings of incapable, feelings like nothing's ever going to change, and I want you to know sometimes the Lord leads you into situations where you will feel just like that so that he can finally show you that what will make you perfect is not you, it's him. That what you can accomplish through his power will be greater than what you can do on your own. And when we finally get to that level of feeling incapable, he said, Ha, at last, now when I show you what I can do, all you can do is give me glory. Because you'll know I did it, not you. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And in that area of difficulties, you can write in your own Bible, and insecurities. For when I am weak, I am strong. That verse changed my ministry because I suddenly begin to recognize that in my, in my symptoms of insecurity, it was the opportunity for the Lord to begin to activate within me the gifts that He had placed there that He can't activate until we find ourselves in incapable situations. So you can stand strong knowing that you may not have it all together and you may not feel as if you have the skills you need to begin with. But I want you to understand... As long as you know enough that in every stage of your life to be teachable, that is enough for God to lead you into new areas. Insecurity roadblock number four is I feel unworthy. If feeling incapable speaks to the lack of confidence in one's competencies, then feeling unworthy speaks to not being adequate as a person. I believe that Saul hid in the storage unit behind the storage shelves And missed his public ceremony because he felt completely inadequate as a person. Having Jesus in your life through the Holy Spirit will cause you to challenge your beliefs about yourself. Satan will always attack you. And here is what you will say to yourself when he's motivating you. You will say, I am so stupid I can't succeed. I will be laughed at. I am unlovable. I've had people walk out on me. I've been left alone. And I want you to know something. None of these thoughts hold one grain of truth in the eyes of the Lord about you. Not one iota. That is not the Spirit of the Lord speaking to you or you speaking through Him about yourself. He's got other plans for you. You see... He helps us to overcome insecurity. And strategy number one to overcoming insecurity is this. You need to embrace the fact that you have nothing to prove and no one to prove it to. You have nothing to prove and no one to prove it to. Now some of you today need to stop looking in the wrong places. There are a lot of sources that will make you feel temporarily very good about yourself. But it will never last. And you may be tempted to derive your security from them. Some of you are thinking, if I just had the right woman or if I just had the right man and and I had a great romantic relationship, everything in my life would be good. I just need to find somebody out there who's going to accept me and and they're going to lift me up. I want you to know something. Another person will never make you whole. Jesus makes you whole. And then you are allowed to enter into other relationships because of what Christ has done in you. Nobody else can do what Christ can do. Temporary happiness, yes. Lasting joy? No. Some of you think, if I, if I just had more money, if I was just a financial success, then, then people would look at me different and treat me different, or if I was just popular, if I could just recapture my youthfulness, if I was just more beautiful or more handsome, or if I had better health, or if I had power or prestige or credentials or job certainty. But in all of these things we look to because we want to deep down inside be seen by other people as as more capable and in the middle of our insecurity the Lord steps in and he speaks to us and he says there's only one source that can bring you up from insecurity and that's me. I'm the only one that can do that for you so quit looking in the wrong places and embrace the fact that you have nothing to prove and nobody to prove it to. You see if you look in the wrong places then what you get Will not last, and so you can lose everything and end up disappointed if you've looked in the wrong places for your security. But God will never leave you, and He will never forsake you. So don't waste your time and energy pursuing security through anything else other than the relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, which will bring you a level of satisfaction that you cannot produce on your own. You have nothing to prove nobody to prove it to strategy number two start believing that you belong where you are one of the biggest keys to overcoming insecurity is knowing how you are gifted and where your talents lie and knowing who you are and who you aren't can be extremely empowering the more you begin to tune into your strengths and your skill and your God-given worth, the more confident that you become and the less insecure that you will become. The greatest moments of insecurity in our life always happen when we are starting a new venture and we don't know if we have what it takes. I can tell you that at the end of those six months where I got to be an interim pastor at 23 years old, I was not the same person at the end as I was that first Sunday because I begin to recognize something about the the capability of God to do anything through me. It was not just ministry saving, it was life transforming for me. But I also believe that God brings each of us to that place in time where we are so empty of ourselves and even standing in places where I don't know if I have the capabilities when he can finally step up and say yes. Yes. Now I can begin to activate within you the skills and the giftings that I've placed within you. And some of you don't even know what they are until you're in a place where you don't think you can do it. And then suddenly the power of God comes upon you. And he activates things in you that you didn't know were there. And so if you're experiencing success right now, be confident that you're not undeserving. You're not an imposter. And for the other side of that, if you're in a valley season right now, here's what you need to know. You are not going to be there forever. You are meant for more. You will rise again. You will make a comeback. Your life won't always look this way. God has plans for you. He's teaching you. He's allowing his ability to be poured into you so that when you come out the other side, you will have learned things about him that will allow you to be better focused as you move forward and risk in him. You see Moses' example, after killing a man, wandered around for 40 years, thought, "My chances are over, I've blown it, I had an opportunity, and I ruined it, and I'm forever going to be shelved and on the sideline, till one day, as he's doing his job in the middle of the nowhere, he comes across. A flaming bush that's not burning and God begins to speak to him and said, I have appointed you with a task of leading my people out of bondage. He said, I can't do it. Look at all my insecurities. I can't do any of these things. But the difference between Saul and Moses was that between the two of them, Saul said, I can't do it, and he didn't. And Moses said, I can't do it, but he did. There's something about taking a step of faith when you feel so incapable that allows the Lord the opportunity to show you that you are right where you belong. Strategy number three is know that you are in a process. One of the most empowering strategies for fighting off feelings of insecurities is to remind yourself that God is not done with you yet. You can look around and you will see everybody in different places of process that God is working them through. You're not perfect yet and that's all right. You will be someday if you keep walking with the Lord and you stand in his perfection because he will clothe you with his righteousness, but you're not there yet. So here's the deal. If you are around people and they are failing and making mistakes, the difference between those that stop and those that grow are we learn from our failures and we learn from our mistakes and we say, Lord, I still am available. I'm sorry I blew it last time, but would you help me to grow and help me to move forward? Insecurity is the silent killer of teachability in your life. And don't let it trap you in the storeroom when it's time for you to step up and begin to walk in your God-designed destiny. Listen. As a child of God, you have a huge advantage. We already know that Jesus can set a person free from absolutely anything. So, insecurity does not have the right to be the exception in your life. It needs to be placed at the foot of the cross and covered with the blood of Jesus, and you walk forward in a new boldness in Him because it was paid for at the cross. So, what do you think of yourself, and how do you feel about yourself? Do you ever compare yourself with other people and feel belittled? You ever feel like, oh, I just wish I could be like them? Have you ever said, I wish I could look like them, or I wish I could do that, or I wish I had what they had, or I wish I could do what what they do? Insecurity is something everybody experiences. But we need to be careful that we don't compare ourselves to others. The good news is that we do not have to live insecure lives because it's God's will for us to be very secure and not to live in fear we were created to feel safe and secure and confident and bold it's part of our spiritual DNA as born again and spirit filled believers in Christ Peter was the first example who went from somebody who was so insecure that he was hiding himself to when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon him suddenly the DNA of God began to curse through his veins and he stepped up in a brand new way and he preached and three thousand we're saved because he overcame the insecurity to be what God wanted him to be so we don't have to live that way I remember a time as a teenager when we'd moved to a new area and I had gone out to meet the new kids in the area and being that I was very small I was an easy target to be picked on in fact when I was in the marching band in high school people used to say who's the munchkin I remember coming home one day and sliding down the refrigerator in the kitchen, just sliding down in tears. Begin to pour all this out to my mom about, I, I just don't understand this, Mom. I, I don't understand it. What's God doing to me? And my mom sent me to a verse and began to talk to me about it. She said, you know what? You are not who they say you are. You are who God says that you are. Now, that was really easy for her to say. It's really hard to believe sometimes. But she sent me to Isaiah 54 17. The scripture says, But no weapon that is forged against you will prevail. No weapon that's forged against you. Now, the enemy of your soul will tell you that you're a loser, that you'll never succeed. He will begin to whisper into you all of your failures because his weapon is insecurity. It's his weapon. And so we need to be reminded of Scripture that tells us that the Lord says, I know the weapons he's forming against you, and I know that he has areas where he begins to speak into your life to try to belittle you and delay you from what God wants you to do. And I want you to know something. There is no weapon formed against you that will prevail. This means that insecurity can't win if you won't let it. This means that there's peace and righteousness and security and triumph over opposition. It is the heritage that belongs to you as the child of the living God. And Scripture clearly states that as servants and children of God, it's part of our inherited blood-bought right that through our relationship with Jesus Christ, I can stand secure in Him. I'm joint heirs with Jesus, which means whatever He has, I get. It means that I can take a step by faith and I understand that even before I go, that He's walking with me, He's encouraging me, He's speaking to me, He's protecting me. And when the enemy whispers in my ear of all of my failures, the Lord whispers into me, what his future is and what mine is. Getting a revelation of God's unconditional love helped me to understand my worth and my value are based on the fact of who I am in Jesus Christ and not who I am as I stand in front of you. Because Jesus loves you regardless of what your occupation may be, what you may have, what you may look like, or what you can do. See, I have to remind myself, my identity is not Doug Dement, lead pastor of Grace Assembly. It's what I do. I also know that I am more than ministry because there will come a time when God is going to ask me not to do the ministry anymore, and I need to understand that I will be just as valuable and just as important to Him when that day comes as I am right now because it's not what I do that's valuable to Him. It's who I am in His hands that's valuable to Him. And the same thing is true of you. No matter what you do for a living, whether you're single or married, whether you're divorced, whether you have children or not, whether you're well-educated, rich or poor, you are just as important to God as everyone else because we are equally valuable in His sight. There is no reason in the universe for a follower of Jesus to live under insecurity. That's what the cross is all about. That's what the empty tomb is all about. And that's what we make a mockery of the finished work of Jesus Christ when we let those feelings hold us and hinder us and keep us from walking forward in everything that God has for you. It's time for you to say, shut up, Satan. I'm listening to God today, and I'm going to be who he wants me to be and not who you whisper into my ear that I am. Because I have received repentance. I have received forgiveness and I've turned my back on that. And I'm now walking toward the one who enables me and engages within me the talents and gifts that he's placed within me. And that is how I will live. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. Everybody has a story. Everybody has insecurities. Everybody has things and situations that you hope you never see because you know how it's going to make you feel. I do believe it's time that the church of Jesus Christ begin to stand on the promises of the word a little bit more. I do believe that some of you today, some of you who may be teenage girls and teenage boys and you're going through all the insecurities that come with living in this culture... That places such false demands on who you must be and how you must look. I want you to know something today. The Lord Jesus Christ stands as your identity when he stands around you. You have nothing to prove and nobody to prove it to when you walk with him.